appreciate that, men. And uh, when I first heard they were passing through the area, I thought maybe Brandon Bartlett may be with you guys. Uh, he's a, a home, one of our home folks here. And uh, tell him hello for us. He's on one of their tour groups as well, traveling around the country. Matthew 16, if you'll find your place there, let's go ahead and stand together. Look down, if you would, to verse number 13. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. I haven't mentioned this yet this morning. Continue to remember little Samuel Baker. Uh, they're at the hospital. I believe they're tuning in. Miss Leslie's up there with Miss Laura today. So Brother Aaron could be in Children's Chapel. You pray for them. Uh, Brother Samuel's having a little bump in the road this morning and uh, needs a little extra grace. So you pray for them here in just a moment after we read. Matthew chapter number 16, look down to verse number 13. The Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and of, of one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the great music this morning. Thank you for the message. Father, thank you for what we have to sing about and what we have to preach about today. I pray you'd help us do it, Lord, in a way pleasing to you. I pray that, Lord, you'd move in our hearts today. If there's one lost, help them, Lord, to come to know Christ personally today. For those of us that are saved, Father, I do pray you would challenge us. We don't have long, Father, to work <clears throat> that we might hear well done. So I pray that, Lord, you'd show us your will and your way in the message today. Bless the invitation. Help us not hold back from being obedient to you today. We ask for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I forget who it was, but this week at some point, I was joking with someone about common sense and the subject of common sense. I actually, to be honest with you, think we ought to rename it, don't you? Uh, I'm not sure that common sense is quite that common anymore. I'm not sure we can accurately describe it as common sense. And I don't think you have to look very far, maybe go to Walmart, go to the mall, maybe even Dollar General, and you look in our society and you can tell that common sense is something that has been lost on our up-and-coming generations. Uh, it doesn't take long for me to look around, and maybe I'm one of those people to someone else, uh, and when you look at them or they look at us, maybe they uh, begin to realize that folks aren't putting as much thought into their life choices as we used to. I'm not picking on you if you're one of these people, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you, though. Used to, uh, pajamas were something that you wore after you got home, right? Uh, right? Look, I'm not picking on you, okay? If you do, look, to be honest with you, I, I would love to wear pajamas out and about all the time, too, uh, with a pair of Crocs and a T-shirt. That'd be just great. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was raised just a little bit different than that. And, uh, but you look around today, and you can tell, I mean, our society is spiraling in a downward trend, and common 
common sense and thoughtfulness of how we live our life is something that's going out the window. I read a story just this week out of Chicago. There was an attempted robbery at a jewelry store. True story. Uh, The gentleman goes in and he sticks up the worker there and takes the money out of the register at the jewelry store. Uh, After he got the money out of the register, he says, now time to empty the safe. The lady looked at him and she says, I'm sorry, I cannot open the safe for you. She says, I do not have the combination to the safe. The only person who has the combination is the manager. He says, you better not be lying to me. She says, I promise, I'm not lying. If I had the combination, I would open the safe and let you have whatever that you want out of there. She says, until the manager gets here, I'm not going to know what the, what the number is. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. True story. He took out a pen and a piece of paper. He wrote down his phone number and handed it to the clerk and says, after you find out what the code is, you call me and I'm going to come back and I'm going to empty out the safe that was there. Now listen, if you're an up and coming robber, could I just invite you not to follow that thought process uh, because uh, that would get you in trouble as it did with the man. Uh, If you read labels today, just read labels today, I think it will show you that common sense has gone out the window. Here are some labels I want to read for you that I read this week. There is an iron, like when you iron your clothes, you know, I don't use one of those very often, I use the dryer for that, but my wife will iron my clothes, and here's a label off of an iron that is for sale, I believe at Walmart. On there, there's a warning, do not iron clothes while on the body. All right, now some of you are looking at me like, why? And that's frightening this morning, to be honest with you. But it's a shame they have to put that on there. On a hairdryer package, there are instructions and warnings that say, do not use while sleeping. How on earth that got on there, I do not know. But you gotta know there's a story, right? You gotta know. McDonald's, even on their little ketchup packets, will put, uh, do not consume the package. You squirt it out of the package. Uh, Nitol has a sleep aid. Uh, I don't ever have a need for any of those, but Nitol has a sleep aid with this warning on the package, may cause drowsiness. I'm glad they put that on there. I thought some of these things used to be commonplace and what we might call common sense, but I'll tell you, when you look at our society and you look at the direction that our world is going, common sense is not common anymore. It doesn't give the appearance that people really consider how they're living and how they're thinking, and can I tell you, as funny as that is in our society, to look out at the world and to think that someone would iron their clothes while they're on. I am not even going to look up, but I'm sure somebody in this room has done that before. I've thought about it a few times in my life. And we think, what are people thinking? What are people thinking? Do people ever give any thought to how they're living their lives and why they're doing what they're doing? And should they reconsider how they think? But can I tell you, as funny as it is looking at the lost world and looking at the world we're living in, I don't think it would hurt the church to do the very same thing. If you're not careful this morning as a child of God, the ways and the thought processes of the world will slowly creep in, and before you know it, you're beginning to think like the world. We look at them and we think that the world is odd and that the lost world, they think so backwards and confusing, but I'll tell you over time, The thought processes of the world have crept into the lives of God's people all throughout history. Why do you think in the book of Haggai he says twice, consider your ways. 
He wants them to consider how they're thinking and how they're living because just as we look at people and think, what are they thinking? I believe our Father looks at us that way sometimes as well. That we allow the world's culture and the world's ways to enter into our life and As we look down in Matthew 16, there's something I want you to see because Jesus is trying to get his disciples to think a little bit. I jokingly say this, but I mean it with all my heart. I think thinking is a great exercise that everybody ought to try every once in a while, particularly while you're driving. When you look down in verse 13, he asks them a question. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, can I tell you, when the Lord asks a question, it's not him asking a question because he needs information. Anytime that we read in the Word of God where Christ is asking a question, he's not asking it because he needs information. He's asking a question because the people that he's asking it to need instruction. All right? He's asking them to get the gears going in their minds so that they will begin thinking a little bit for themselves. For instance, I read this the other day, and I think you men ought to write it down. When a woman asks you, what did you say? She isn't really asking you to repeat it. She's giving you room to get out of reach. (laughs) It's always funny at who laughs because you understand it, don't you? When a woman says, what did you say? She's not asking you so you'll repeat yourself. She's giving you a head start to get away because whatever you said is probably something you shouldn't have said. She's asking that question or they are asking that question to get you to think a little bit or maybe rethink your life's choices. In verse 13, this is what Christ is doing. Whom do men, watch this, in the question he gives them the answer of who he is. Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? He knows who he is. He wants to know what people are saying, who people are saying. Here's what he's saying. What What do you think? Look down to verse 15. But whom say ye that I am? Okay, it's one thing for what people think and the way others have an idea of who Christ is, but he says, I want to know who you say that I am. Now, why is this so important for him to ask who he is and what he means to them? This is important this morning. You need to get this before I give you the three points. Their understanding of Christ is going to determine everything. Who Christ is to them is going to affect every part of their life. That's why they have to answer the question. It doesn't matter what they think. Who do they say? Well, some say this and some say that. No, no. He says, but whom say ye that I am? Their understanding of Christ is going to determine everything. And can I tell you today, nothing has changed at all. It's the same for you and I to answer the question, but whom say ye that I am when he asks us who, we, who he is to us? Now, here's what I want to give you this morning before we get into this. At some point, your way of life is going to be determined by the influence of Christ in your life or the influence of the culture in your life. At some point in your life, how you live your life, how you build your home, how you raise your children, even down to small things of how we use our words and speak to others, is going to be determined 
by the influence of Christ in our life and who Jesus is to us. You think about this this morning in our hearts as Christians. You have to choose on a daily basis between adopting the ways of Christ and adopting the ways of the culture. In your home, raising your children, you have to choose whether you're going to raise them according to the culture or according to Christ. In our churches, we have to decide whether we will build churches based on the influence of Christ and who Christ is and what he means to us or what the culture means to us. And I think we see all over the country, the culture is winning on that one. You go down to verse 17, 18, and 19, he begins talking specifically to the church. He asked Peter, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered in verse 16, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. After Peter's confession, verse 17, 18, and 19, we're going to preach out of this morning, Christ begins giving him a wonderful commitment. That if Peter's confession is, thou art the Christ, not just a way that you are the way, the sinless son of God, that's who you are, Christ comes back after his confession and gives him a commitment this morning. And what I want you to see today is something that's very simple, and it's the commitment of Christ. In the world we live in today, our culture seeks to influence our hearts, our homes, our churches. It's everywhere. It has is, it is just influenced the way that we raise our children, the way that we build our homes, the way that we live our lives. The culture is winning the battle this morning. And the sad thing is, the culture shouldn't be winning. Why? You look down to the last part of verse 18. The Bible says about the church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The culture should not win, but the culture is winning. Why? It's because we haven't answered the question in verse 15 of who Jesus Christ is to us. When you decide that thou art the Christ and that's how we will live our life, all the commitment from Christ in verse 18 is what gives us the victory. This morning I want to look at verse 18 if you'll hone in on that for a few minutes and I'll go as fast as the Holy Spirit will let me deal, all right? I'll go as fast as he'll let me and if he goes fast, you listen fast and we'll get done fast and we can get right with God fast, right? Look down to verse number 18 if you will. Peter made up his mind, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ, watch verse 18, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter, by the way, the confession of Peter, that he was Christ, he says, this rock, I will build my church. So here's Peter making the confession, thou art the Christ, and Christ follows right back up with an important truth that we need to get this morning. He says, upon this rock... I will build, not speaking of Peter, in case you're wondering, no, he was not the first pope, okay? That we have to repeat that every generation just so people understand that. It was what Peter confessed is what he's going to build on, the rock, which was who? Which in verse 18 shows us is Christ. Now here's Christ giving a very bold reassurance to Peter. It's one of the first things that Christ offers, this commitment to the church. Notice, if you will, this morning, he offers a secure foundation, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The reason Christ asked Peter is because Peter needed to know what he was building on. If you're going to build anything this morning, whether you're building something out in your yard, 
uh, building something in your house, building your children's lives, or even building your home. Can I tell you, it's important this morning, you know what you're building on. Because how long it lasts and how good it is to those who dwell inside of it is greatly depending upon what you build upon. Now, I, I was in construction for many, many years, and every once in a while, I'll still get to build something. There have been several times that we were out on a job site. The last big job we did in Hattiesburg was a daycare center over by Optimus Park, and a uh, great big, a couple of hundred feet long and uh, 150 feet wide, I believe it was. And the first few several weeks of that job, they came along and they did these soil tests. Uh, they would take core samples out of the ground, and they were checking the dirt and trying to make sure that this great big old building we're about to build uh, had a solid foundation underneath it. And I want to tell you, we had to have it inspected. We had to have permits and go through all of this headache. Why? Because it's important to know that what you're building is built upon something that will last. Now watch what he says, the commitment of Christ is that when we build upon Christ the solid rock, that this morning we have a secure foundation. Oh, can I tell you this morning, the reason we see the divorce rate in America so high, just as much in the church as the lost world, is I fear this morning, we've yet to answer the question that thou art the Christ and we have that secure foundation at the beginning of our home. Listen, it's not just about love. Uh, I love my wife and she loves me. I know it's hard for you to imagine that somebody would love me, but they do and she loves me. Got up this morning, made me a cup of coffee. She made me some pancakes and waffles yesterday with sausage. Oh my goodness. I love her and she loves me, but can I tell you, your home better be built upon Christ. Why? Because Christ is a secure foundation. Listen, what the word of God has to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay, and that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no solid ground more solid than Jesus Christ, and whatever we build must be built upon him. I see churches all over our country being built upon sinking sand. Oh, I love a good emotional moment. I watched some college football yesterday, and oh man, your emotions go up and go down. Some of your emotions were down yesterday. I know that for a fact because I saw the scores. Mine weren't because I'm an LSU fan. Of course my, you know, my, no, they'll be down next week when some no-name team comes in uh, and beats us. Listen to me. We have churches that are built on emotion. We have churches that are built on feeling. And yet this morning we wonder why our country's in the shape it's in. I'm afraid we have built so much outside of the foundation, the secure foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a song that I love that we sing. It's called Christ is All We Need or All I Need. Listen to the words. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He satisfies my need supplies. Jesus is all I need. Can I tell you this morning, if you don't get anything else in this life, you better get Jesus because he is all that you need. You can get by this life without money and prestige and fame and titles, but you cannot get by this one nor the next one without a secure foundation, which is Jesus. This is where we're missing it, folks. We're not asking the question, who is Christ to us? He ought to be that secure foundation for our life and for our home. You look down, Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. It's Christ. What does the song say? All other ground is sinking sand. Sinking sand. Our homes are sinking. Our young people are sinking. Our country is sinking. Why? It's not on Christ. 
Christ is a secure foundation. Matthew chapter 7, I'll not turn there, but you know the account of where he shows us the importance of having a good foundation. The one man comes and he builds upon the sand and the Bible says the wind blows and the waves crash and the house falls. But there was a man who took the time to dig down deep and to found his home upon a rock. What did the Bible say? The Bible says that the wind blew. Can I tell you the wind will blow? It's going to blow against your home. It's going to blow against our children's lives and the hearts of our young people. The waves are going to crash against them. Who knows what the world is going to hold for them after we're gone if the Lord tarries. Oh, that they have a secure foundation in Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I thought about this this morning. I don't mean to be funny, but I do mean to tell you the truth. In 2023, there's a lot of conversation about reconsidering our pronouns. It took me long enough to learn them. I'm not going to reconsider them, okay? Can I tell you what I think we ought to reconsider this morning? We ought to reconsider our prepositions. You ask me, well, what are your prepositions there? On, in, and through. Those are prepositions, right, Miss Pam? Yeah? Okay, good deal. Making sure. I didn't check that with my dictionary. On, in, and through. Watch this. I believed on Christ and was saved. I was made a new creature in Christ. And now, watch this, after I'm saved, I can do all things through Christ. But what is the common denominator? What is it? I am saved because I believed on Christ. I am made a new creature in Christ. And I can do all things through Christ. That's the solid foundation. That's what we're missing. We keep trying to do it through our intellect and our experience and our ideas. Listen, there is nothing wrong with having ideas. There's nothing wrong with having opinions whatsoever. But we can't build our homes on that. We must build it on a secure foundation, which is Christ. That's where we're missing it this morning. That's why everything seems to be falling apart around us. So many homes have gone up in smoke because we've neglected to answer the question of whom say ye that I am. Can I ask you this morning, what is Christ to you? What is Christ to you? Is he your spare tire? Is he your emergency flotation device when things go wrong? Or is he the secure foundation that your life is built upon? Who is Christ to you this morning? I'm, the, I'm afraid in the church today in America we've gotten sidetracked by what we offer rather than by who we offer. I want to let that settle in just for a moment, and I want you to think about that. I believe the American church has gotten sidetracked, being more concerned with what we offer than who we offer. Why are churches imploding? Why are churches flying apart? Well, I'm afraid there's a lot of churches that have been built on a foundation of something that wasn't Christ. We build it upon what we offer and the fun that we offer, and we offer all of these things, and these are exciting things, and thank God for things we're able to offer. But a church can't be built on what it offers. A church has got to be on who it offers, and it offers Christ. Can I tell you the best people that stick around in church? The best people are the people that you got through Christ. That's the people who stick. Years ago, Dad told me, and never forget, we're going down Dito Road down in Gulfport and coming back from his Bible college where he was at, and on the way home, uh, we were talking about building a church, and he says, son, you can't build a Coke and hot dog operation. You can't build a church off of what you offer. I'm just going to keep giving you Cokes and hot dogs if you'll just keep coming. No, can I tell you, you get hooked on Christ, you're hooked. 
That's got to be the solid foundation that we're building on. Colossians 2.6, I'll hurry. The Bible says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. Can I tell you something this morning? You get rooted in Christ, you're rooted. You're going to be like one of those dandelions out there in the front yard, or worst case scenario, a wisteria. Have you ever tried to pull one of them up? Oh, my soul. Uh, we moved away from our family property years ago, and my grandmother planted a wisteria. And they looked so pretty, it looks like grape clusters hanging down there. Oh, beware. Beware. We were gone. I don't know how many years we were gone and came back. I'm not joking, okay? We came back to our family property, and it was like one of these horror movies. Vines everywhere. I'm not joking. Vines pulling down trees. There were pine trees bent over to the ground. They were everywhere. And it seems like every few days, Dad and I are out there with an axe. And we're chopping up the little ones that sprout up everywhere. You cannot uproot that thing. Can I tell you, when you get rooted in Christ, it's like a Christian wisteria. You're rooted, man. It's, look, I mean, mom and dad, after church, you better get back down there. It's probably taking over something else. Camp cabins are going to be imploded when they get back down there. It's rooted. It's hard to get out. Can I tell you, that's what we're missing this morning. We're rooted in everything else. We're rooted in what we offer. We're rooted in this person and that person. When we should be rooted in Christ, we get rooted in Christ. You are grounded and you are settled and let the winds blow and the waves beat. Can I tell you, you're going to remain. But Christ has got to be that secure foundation. He asked the question, but whom say ye that I am? Verse 18, he says, thou art Peter and upon this rock, who was it? It was Christ. He says, I will build my church. The first commitment that he made to them, he says, I want you to know, I'm a secure foundation, but watch this. Oh, what a beautiful picture this is. The second point's my favorite. And I say unto thee, also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Notice the second thing that Christ committed to them. Christ let Peter know that the church was not a passing fad. Matter of fact, he took it quite personally. Notice he says, I will build my church. Now, here's what I love, because Christ gives us a secure foundation, something naturally follows. You know what it is? Number two, it's a certain future. He says, I will build my church. He's telling you, the church has a future that is very certain. Now, folks, I have ideas, you have ideas. I have opinions, you have opinions. I have tactics, you have tactics. But you know, the only thing that comes with a guarantee is when we build upon the secure foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only guarantee. He says, watch this. I'll give you a certain future if we're building upon the secure foundation. Uh, last, almost a year ago, we were out in San Francisco, and I got to go see the Golden Gate Bridge. And, man, I drove all over the place looking at the bridge. I went on that side and this side and the left side. And finally, I went under the bridge. And I have a picture I'll show you that I took while we were up there or down there. And um, we're standing there on the shore, and I began looking at this massive bridge. Uh, my wife was a little bit nerve-wracked because I wanted to video it as I went across it and I was driving. So I, I got a good video if you'd like to see it sometime. be glad to share that with you. We went under the bridge and I began looking at how massive this was. I believe it was built in 1933. And I thought to myself, how many millions and millions of cars have passed over that bridge? 
just a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you've never seen it, it's amazing. And I began focusing in on the foundations on the bottom of the vertical columns that were there. In the short time we were there, it went from sunshine and blue skies to a front moving in and a storm. You can see it blowing in while we were there. And all of a sudden, the waves began crashing up on the base of it. The rain and the wind was blowing up against it. And yet, can I tell you, the Golden Gate Bridge still stands today. Do you know why? Because it has a secure foundation. I looked up these numbers. It's amazing. 88,000 tons of concrete in those footers. 88,000 tons of concrete. They went 90 feet below the seabed to make sure that that bridge is going nowhere. And no matter how often the wind blows and the waves crash, no matter how much weight gets placed upon it, can I tell you, it has a certain future because it has a secure foundation. Do you know that principle applies to your home? If you have, watch this, a secure foundation in Christ, you have a certain future in Christ. Why? Because you're rooted in him who will not be moved. Aren't you glad this morning that with God there is no shadow of turning? Aren't you glad this morning that there is nothing you're facing right now, no waves that will crash up against you, no weight that will bear down upon you that Christ and the secure foundation will not uphold you with? Oh, this morning, can I tell you, that's something to smile about. A couple of you almost did. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, let's get moving. The Bible says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. You see, your foundation is going to determine your future. Your foundation is going to determine your future. If your foundation is of Christ, can I tell you, your future is with Christ. If your foundation is of this world, your future is of this world, and this world is going to perish. My dad said in chapel the other day, I wasn't here, but I, somebody told me about it. He was preaching to our teenagers, talking about how all of our beautiful building and our property and all this, it's all going to burn one day. It's all going to burn. Can I tell you, my hope is not in this building. My hope is not in this property. Listen to me, I love you, but my hope is not in you. My hope is in the secure foundation, which is Christ, and that gives me a certain future. He said, I will build. You say, well, what about the times? I hear that all the time. All oh, the times. The times are changing. The times are changing. I totally agree with that. But can I tell you, God's not. If he said he would build his church, I don't think there's a caveat in there that he's going to build his church as long as the times are good. I believe because God is who God is that he will build his church in good times. He can build his church in bad times. He can build his church in lean times. Why? Because he's God. That's the importance this morning of having that secure foundation where we can only get through Christ. 2 Timothy 1, 12, the Bible says, here's Paul's testimony, and I want you to hear something very important in the middle. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now, listen to me now, listen to me. What did he say here? For I know whom? That's a person. The secure foundation, which is Christ. What did he say at the end of that verse? To keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Watch this. His foundation determined his future. 
He says, watch this, for I know whom I have believed. I've got a secure foundation. Therefore, watch this, I'm looking forward to that day in the future. As a child of God this morning, hear me out this morning. Building upon a secure foundation of Christ gives us the certain future. He will build his church. You say, well, this is 2023. Our world's gone haywire. It doesn't matter. He said he will build his church. We have a certain future because of who our foundation is built upon. It's Christ. I know whom I have believed. There's something I hear a lot, and I understand it. Okay, I'm not going to knock this. But I hear a lot, I've heard it all my life, I hear the we got us, the we got us. Well, we got to do this to get people, we got to do that to get the young people, we got to do that to keep them. We got to, we got to, we got to, we got to. Can I tell you, the only thing we got to do is have a sure foundation, which is Christ, and that's going to give us a certain future for what God desires to do here. You see, here's what happens, we start looking outside the walls at culture. And we start looking at what the world's doing and say, hey, the young people like what the world's doing. Why don't we bring that in here? And so now, all of a sudden, we are building our church on the foundation of culture rather than Christ. And there is no guarantee other than failure on the foundation of our culture. Can I tell you, all we need to do is get these young people built upon the foundation of Christ. That's it. You get them rooted and grounded and settled in Christ, and no matter what the culture does, no matter how much the wind blows and the weight presses down upon them, they will remain with a certain future because we have a promise that he would build his church. He promised that. The question is, do you believe it? Oh, at some point in our life, we have to get to the place to ask ourselves, do I believe this book that he said he would build it? This is his church, not mine. He promised he'd build it if we just kept it on the foundation, which is what? Christ. Someone said this once, if you are wedded to today's trends, you will be widowed by the weekend. How easy it is to bring our young people in. Hey, look, look, we had fun yesterday. I got to tell you, we had a fiesta at the Bergeron. Thank God they invited us over to their place. We had a world-class fiesta. So how do you know it's world-class? Because we had a chihuahua and a piñata there. That's how you know it is world class. We learned some awesome stuff yesterday. World's longest taco, 355 feet. Yeah, that's big. Some of you are like, amen. It's 1208 and you're already thinking about lunch. Shame on you. We're not done yet. Just hang on. We got point three coming. (laughs) The world's most expensive taco, $25,000. $25,000. There are probably people dumb enough to pay money for that. We had fun yesterday, did we not? Yeah. We even had a tortilla tossing contest. Two girls won over the guys. It kind of broke my heart there. The guys were more used to eating them than flinging them, but had a good time. I hope you had a good time yesterday. I hope they have a good time at camp. I hope they have a good time up in Team Chapel. I hope they have a good time in all the opportunities we provide, but can I tell you, that's not what we have to root them in. In order for them to have a certain future, we've got to make sure they are built upon the foundation of Christ. You remember when Paul went to Mars Hill. Here they are at Mars Hill, and these folks are worshiping all of these pagan deities and idols that are there. And he says, I I know that, noticed all of your devotions. You are too superstitious. You're worshiping this and worshiping this. Look, now, we don't do that, do we? We don't have little idols or little gods in our house, correct? All right, some of you looked at me kind of like, have an invitation in just a minute. You can take care of that, okay? Some of our idols may be the ones that have touch screens, right? Could be. Could be. 
But how often are there things in our life that we hop to from this to this to this to this, all to find a little bit of pleasure in our life? This devotion, this devotion, this devotion. Do you know what Paul did? I love Paul. I wish I had more of what Paul had. He just busted right up in there in the middle of them. He says, let me declare to you one. That's Christ. He says, you don't need this, you don't need that, you don't need this, and hop here and hop there and have devotion here and devotion there. He says, no, let me declare to you the unknown God, which is Christ. That's the only one you need. Folks, that's where the certain future is at for your home built upon Christ. That's where the certain future is at for this church. That's where the certain future is at for our country. If you notice, he said in verse 19, I will build. Do you know who's speaking? Well, in my Bible, they're red letters. This is Christ. You see, the I am is responsible for the I will. Aren't you glad? There's so many things that, oh my goodness, that God desires to do that I cannot do. But he says, I am and I will. But oh, we've got to make sure we're on that foundation of Christ. I was reading about Gideon. I love Gideon. I was reading about him this week. Matter of fact, before the baker's baby was born, I told him this the other day at the hospital, I just felt in my heart his name was going to be Gideon. When they told me Samuel, I just realized I have horrible discernment. <laughs> had it totally wrong. It wasn't even the right part of the alphabet, you know. Reading about old Gideon, about to go into battle. Mentioned this at Brother, uh, Brother John's funeral this week. Gideon had 30-something thousand men and he sent the fearful men home. Y'all go home. Y'all go home. God says, send them home, Gideon. And he's left with 300 men. And can I tell you, I'm sure Gideon was probably wondering, how are you going to do this, God? How are you going to do this? Watch. If it's the I am who said do it, I am will always back up the I will. I am will always back up the I will. There are times I, I look. I mean, I've been doing this a little while. You faster, pastor. I look at different places God's had me, and I'm wondering, hmm, wondering how you're going to do that. God says, I will. I will. You know this morning when we have that secure foundation, we have a certain future. You say, well, the world's going, it doesn't matter what the world's doing. All that matters is what God said he will do. The problems of the world, listen, have no bearing on the promises of God. We're thinking this world is unprecedented. Listen, it's unprecedented to us, but not God. This world's going haywire, man. You watch the news. I mean, this thing, right is wrong and wrong is right. I told a good friend of mine in Louisiana this past week, I'm beginning to wonder if I'm not an alien. If they're normal, maybe alien, you're like, oh. <laughs> there's going to be some guys in black suits and sunglasses in my, my driveway this afternoon. You're going to finally got a way to get me out of here. You know, he is an alien. You need to go test him, you know, and all that. Can I tell you, no matter what's going on in our mixed up world, it doesn't change what God said. God promised us what? He says, I will build my church. That's a commitment that Christ made. Number one, I'll commit to you a secure foundation. Number two, I'll commit to you a certain future. And finally, I want you to notice the last part. It's my favorite and we'll close. The Bible says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice this other commitment that Christ made. He says, I'll give you a secure foundation. I'll give you a certain future. But I give you this commitment. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what he's letting us know? He's letting us know that it's not going to be easy. But he's letting us know, by the grace of God, we're going to win. Watch this, number three this morning. 
he committed a successful fight. He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, understand this. He's not telling us we're not going to have to fight. As a matter of fact, if they're not going to prevail, it simply means they're not going to win. It doesn't mean they're not going to fight. And oh, the devil's going to try and fight a church that tries to stay founded upon that sure foundation, which is Christ. The devil doesn't fight for something that's not valuable. The devil's fighting for something that's valuable to the cause of Christ. That's why he fights your home, because your home's valuable. That's why he fights for your kids, because in the hands of God, these young people could do great things for the cause of Christ. That's why he's fighting for them. But notice the successful fight that he promised, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I love the promise in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Christ. The promise is through Christ. Remember those prepositions? Believing on Christ, being changed in Christ, having power through Christ. That's why you have to answer the question, but whom say ye that I am? Everybody wants to claim the commitment of verse 18 that Christ made. Here's my question. Have you made the confession of verse 15 and verse 16? Who is Christ? What is the influence of Christ in your life? Is Christ just part of your life or is Christ your life? You know, for some folks, Christ is just a part of their life on Sunday, maybe on Wednesday as well. Can I tell you, if he's just part of your life, he's not the foundation of your life. He's got to be what everything else is built upon. I was thinking about that daycare that we built and how many hundreds, if not thousands of children would go through the doors of that daycare center and how important it was for us when we put the foundation of that building in to make sure it was solid. Why? Because somebody's child would walk in and out of those doors hundreds if not thousands of times over the course of their childhood. Somebody's home, somebody's future, somebody's children. You had to get it right at the bottom so that later when everything else goes on top of it, we know that it's solid and it's secure. I wonder this morning, I wonder if you can answer the question of who is Christ to you? Is Christ what Peter said? What did he say? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, Christ says, can I tell you something? He said, that's the secure foundation. That's the certain future. And that's the key to the successful fight. It's got to be on Christ. It's got to be on Christ. Can I tell you, Mom and Dad, I know you love your kids. I don't love them as much as you do, but I, I love them. And boy, we want our kids to be happy, don't we? I do. I want my kid to be happy. Probably too much. But in the end, it's not about making sure she's happy. It's making sure she's rooted in Christ. That's the only way she's going to have a successful fight. I think about all the doodads and gizmos that we give our kids, and electronics and games. And why? We want them to be happy. The devil's not afraid of a cell phone. That was not afraid of their iPad or their Xbox. But hey, they were happy. What does it matter if they were happy for a moment? If we lost them because we didn't found them upon the foundation of Christ. You say, well, I have a happy home. I have a big house. I have a nice car and a full bank account. Hey, thank God for that and use it for his glory. But your home better not be built on that. 
I promise you when the devil comes, he's going to laugh at how big your house is and laugh at how nice your car is and laugh at how much money you have because he's not afraid of any of that. To have the successful fight, it's the same commitment he made to the church. It's got to be built upon Christ. I don't know what the future holds, but I know we have a promise and a commitment from God that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church as long as we are on the foundation of Christ. Can I ask you this real quickly before we close? Do you have that secure foundation? Do you know if you died, you're going to heaven? Do you know that? Do you know it like you know your name? Do you know that? The Bible says if you know that, there'll come a day like two people in our church this morning or within the sphere of our church to where they breathe their last breath. But you know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15? The Bible says death has been swallowed up in victory. You say, well, Brother Ed Jones Miss Deborah's dad went to heaven this morning. Can I tell you, he got the victory this morning. He, look, he won the fight this morning. He didn't lose his fight. He won it because death has been swallowed up in victory through who? Through Christ. Do you have that victory this morning? I wonder about it, Christian, today. Are you building your home? Do you have your heart? Are you raising your children? Upon that sure foundation, which is Christ, that's the only way to give them a certain future. He says, hey, church, you stay on this foundation, I will build. God says, I'm going to build that, and we're going to have a successful fight. Why? Because we have a promise from God. Here's my question. He gave us a commitment. He gave it to the church. But have we given him our confession? Thou art the Christ. What is Christ to you this morning? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. What is Christ?